Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout the Hoyland, Langrant Hoyland's flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, joined, as always, by Josh Dooley. And Josh, you know, we were talking a bit before the podcast here. I am I am very excited for this upcoming game for Ohio State against Wisconsin, which is obviously the game we'll be talking about today. You know, I said a little bit, I was, I was nervously excited for the Notre Dame game, but we didn't really have any idea what Ohio State was going to look like this season. We still don't really have a great idea of what they truly are based on the level of competition they've played thus far, especially because Notre Dame doesn't look like the team we expect them to be preseason but we at least have a little better look of what the team is bringing to the table this year now you're getting into the you know the really teeth of the Big Ten play here starting things off against Wisconsin I'm really excited for this one I think this is a real you know test for Ohio State they're getting into actual high level competition here as they as they begin their Big Ten slate and I am I'm really excited for this one this Saturday it is Big Ten time baby I'm excited too I think it's going to be a fun interesting game I think Wisconsin poses a real threat and a challenge and um this could be the game that we saw against Notre Dame, you know, with a couple different moving parts. I see some similarities, but all in all, you know what you're getting with Wisconsin, and you know, you know what you're getting with a lot of these Big Ten teams. And so I hope that that helps Ohio State in certain areas of the game. Um, but yeah, man, I'm looking forward to Saturday night, the blackout and all that good stuff. I'm ready to roll. Yeah, for sure. I think this will be the the first real game where we learn a little bit about this Ohio State team on, on both sides of the ball. Defensively, you know, they've been really good against the run so far. You're going up against one of the premier rushing attacks in the country every year. Um, offensively, they haven't really faced a defense that could do much of anything against them just yet. You know, Notre Dame held them to 21 points, but I think Ohio State was working through a lot of offensive stuff in that first game. They've looked significantly better these last two weeks, obviously scoring 77 against Toledo, but they'll face a 
much tougher task against this Wisconsin defense. But before we get into all of that, we can look at uh, the presser news from this week. Not a ton um, to take from, from this week's pressers. We heard from Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, and C.J. Stroud. Um, from Ryan Day himself, we got some injury updates. Uh, he called Trayvon Henderson's injury a short-term thing. It does sound like he'll play against Wisconsin. doesn't seem like it's anything serious. Um, maybe he'll be on some kind of snap count, but they've been you know, rotating him and Mayan Williams in pretty frequently anyway, so I don't know if that will hamper his abilities all that much. Um, but nothing else really uh, super notable from the head ball coach. He said it's been, you know, in terms of other injury news and notes here, uh, he said it's been a while since Jordan Hancock practiced. Obviously, we've talked about him a little bit here um, as Ohio State's, you know, had some struggles at the cornerback position. There's not a lot of depth there as is. But Jordan Hancock has been continuing to battle back from an injury he sustained in preseason camp. And Day kind of said he's close, but he's not where he needs to be to get on the field. So I don't really know if he's even... Um, you know, fully practicing yet. It said he said it's been a while since he practiced. I don't know if that means like he's just getting back or he's still not practicing fully. But obviously, Ohio State wants to to get him back out there. It's another body to put out there, another highly touted um, prospect in the defensive secondary, which has really been the the main area of weakness so far um, for an Ohio State defense that has looked much improved elsewhere. But you know, those are those are kind of the news and notes from Ryan Day. He didn't really say anything else uh, all too crazy. He had some some you know preview stuff for Wisconsin and whatnot. But those are the main um, takeaway points that I took from Day's uh, media availability today. Yeah, you said before the podcast a lot of coach speak, and that's what I heard too. Just kind of going through the motions, not giving away too much. Very complimentary of Wisconsin, as you knew he would be. As far as Jordan Hancock goes, it seems like that's something that sort of fell under the radar. Uh, my understanding early on was that, you know, they may have just been holding him out week one as a precaution, but clearly that's a longer term injury that he did sustain. I'm with you. I'd love to see him on the field. You and I both talked him up before the season started and he plays a position um, of need right now for Ohio State. Denzel Burke has struggled, although Jim Knowles and Ryan Day have continued to preach confidence in him. We saw Cam Brown look uh, maybe a step slow last week, and J.K. Johnson's been up and down. So I'd like Jordan Hancock to be out there. I I wish him well. I hope he gets back to full health. And you know Ohio State's not going to rush it. They want him for the stretch run, the back half of the season. But um, for a position group that has clearly had its struggles, you'd like to see another guy step up. And, and I don't know who it's going to be if not Jordan Hancock. So as far as he goes, hopefully they're able to get him back on the field sooner than later. But at least they know what they're working with. They've got guys that they assume or, or we assume are healthy and going to be back in the lineup. So for the most part, they should have their full complement of pieces and of players, which has not been the case through three games. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like you said, you know, Burke has struggled a bit. We saw Cam Brown come out of last week's game with a, a minor injury. They didn't really bring anything up with him, so I imagine he's still full go going into this week. Uh, we've seen a little bit of J.K. Johnson, a little bit of Jair Brown here and there, but not a ton from either of those guys. Um, I will be interested to see, you know, obviously all the safeties that were out last week we're expecting to be back, both being, you know, Josh Proctor and uh Tanner McAllister. Um, they're they're going to have probably five healthy safeties on the roster at this point that they trust. I am wondering if we see, you know, maybe one of those guys moved around a bit in that defensive backfield. Maybe a guy like Cam Martinez gets a shot at, you know, playing a little bit of slot corner or something along those lines. That's kind of what he's been doing anyway as sort of that nickel safety. But speaking about that defense, you know, just other, the last piece of injury news we really got from the coaches this week was from Jim Knowles. He said that, um, Mike Hall will play. You know, he he said he's been told Mike Hall will play, but it's above his pay grade to say officially. But I have no doubts that Mike Hall will play in this game. Um, Otherwise, not much. He did talk highly of Lathan Ransom, who was um, someone I wrote about this week in our edition of Your Nuts as one of the kind of under the radar Mm -hmm. guys who's excelled for Ohio State this year. I've really liked what I've seen from him. 
Interested to see how they deploy their safeties this week, whether, you know, Ransom or Proctor gets the nod at that safety spot or whether they look to move maybe a guy like Lathan Ransom around because he's been so good. Um, like you alluded to earlier, they, he gave a vote of confidence again to Denzel Burke for really the second straight week. They still have 100% confidence in him, so hopefully he can, can figure things out back there. Um, and really the last note from him I took was that he thinks the run defense has been good but could be even better, which is exciting because I really liked what I've seen from Ohio State's run defense. He, you know, he said, as, as, as we all know, they didn't really execute well against Dequan. Finn. They haven't played a, a guy of that caliber, a quarterback that, that well of an athlete. Um, but you know, there, there's more, more and more things to put on film, more things to improve on, and. I think overall, um, Knowles is pretty, pretty, uh, you know, satisfied with what Ohio State's done on defense. But it seems like he thinks this unit could be even better, which is you know super exciting for Ohio State fans that have struggled through um, a really poor defense for a couple of years. Now they have a unit that looks pretty competent, and according to the to the guy that's leading the group, um, they have an even higher ceiling than they've showed. I think when Jim Knowles speaks, there's a lot of truth to it, and that you know that's applicable to all the coaches. But I don't think he sugarcoats a lot. You know he wasn't really pleased with the way that they handled or were unable to corral Daquan Finn from Toledo, and he admitted as such. He has higher expectations for this run defense. So I like everything I'm hearing, and that also that includes what he's saying about Denzel Burke. He Burke has not looked great through three games, and look, that's 25% of the season at this point, so it's like, hey, it's, it's kind of time to get it going. But the fact that Jim Knowles does have the confidence in him, or has at least said – as much it makes me feel a little bit better that Burke is doing the right things in practice and he's getting all the mental reps and the the switch is going to flip and hopefully that is the case he's got a couple more games before we think that we see a real sort of advanced passing attack that Ohio State will go up against I don't think that they see it this week so a little bit of time still to soften the edges and kind of get everything going but they're going to need that from Burke because even if Jordan Hancock is healthy he's an inexperienced guy Burke is the cornerback that Ohio State was counting on coming into the season as a freshman All-American and I don't want to make the beginning of the podcast about him but his name has come up a number of times basically every week since the season started and if anything I hope that he has a game on Saturday night that is that he is able to build off of. Maybe he breaks up a couple passes. He avoids the mental mistake or the being burnt on a deep route, a deep ball, something like that. Even if he's not lights out, I'd like to see Jordan or Denzel Burke have just a really solid game and hopefully give him confidence moving forward because that should only help the entirety of the Ohio State defense as well. Yeah, and as we've seen from some guys in the past at Ohio State, you know, you look at a guy like Jeff Okuda, um, didn't really put up a ton of stats, but that was just because he was so locked down. So even if this is a game where you go in and, you know, you don't really hear Denzel Burke's name, that's honestly probably a good thing because it means he's he's doing his job at the end yeah, of the day. Yeah, you're if okay not, with that. Yeah, if they're not throwing his way because he's, he's locking his men down, then it's good if you see, you know, you don't hear Denzel names Burke on the broadcast all that much. That means he's probably doing his job. If you're hearing a bunch about Denzel Burke, unless he's picking off three passes, um, then it's probably not a good thing. But yeah, we're still... We're still rooting for him to do well. We've seen him do it before. We know it's in there, so hopefully he could turn things around here as Ohio State gets into the Big Ten schedule. Not a ton of, of high-flying passing offenses they will face outside of maybe you know a Maryland or a Purdue, potentially, if they, they meet in the Big Ten championship game. But nonetheless, not a ton else from Ohio State's pressers this week. You know, C.J. Stroud spoke as well. Um, didn't really say anything of note. You know, they asked about him scrambling a bit more, and he kind of gave you know a little bit of a non-answer. He said, whatever you are on film is who you are, at least in the football world. So he's kind of playing it coy there. Doesn't sound like that was a really a point of emphasis or if it is he's not letting up on it 
um, talked highly of a lot of his teammates. You know, he lauded the the offseason work of guys like Cade Stover and Luke Whipler um, at their respective positions. You know, how, how important it's been for, you know, Stover's transition to that tight end room and what he's given them. Plus, you know, his relationship with his center, Luke Whipler, um, you know, t- t- talked nicely about a ton of his teammates. And I really liked how at the end of it, he was kind of talking about cherishing the moments with his teammates because he knows his college career will be over soon. That's not really an aspect of the game we really think about all that much. You know, at the end of the day, these are, you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds. They all have, you know, they're all just friends like living out the college experience and like when it's a guy especially a guy like cj stroud we're all projecting him to be a top pick in the nfl draft you're not really thinking about you know the, the kind of personal relationships you have on the team and, and the college life that these you know teenagers at the end of the day are experiencing so i thought it was nice of him kind of going into that and talking about how like you know he's he's really cherishing these moments with his teammates because he knows that you know soon enough it'll all be over i think we've heard more and more that he's got some justin fields jt barrett in him as far as leadership goes. And that may not have been the case last year as a first-year starter, but it seems like he has grown in that aspect. And you can say that about a lot of Ohio State quarterbacks. They've been strong leaders. But, yeah, to your point, it just it builds better cohesion. You develop greater relationships, and there's clearly a high level of trust between not only him and his wide receivers, but him and his offensive line. So you like to hear those things from C.J. Stroud. Clearly a good kid with a good head on his shoulders. And hopefully, you know, he maintains all of that momentum and confidence that he has moving forward and he can continue to lead the team. Yeah, and honestly, it's it's super impressive how how he's able to stay, you know, so cool, calm, collected, and humble with the kind of season he's having already. You know, you look at his stats here. You know, he's helped Ohio State be the number one offense in college football at this point. You know, he's got over 950 yards, 11 touchdowns, no picks. If I was that good at college football as you know a 19, 20 year old, I would be the most cocky person on the planet. But C.J. Stroud <laughs> is just so he's so level headed. He's so calm. He's never really been the type of guy to show a ton of emotion, whether on the field or off of it. So. I'm very impressed by his kind of demeanor, and I'm sure a lot of NFL teams are impressed by that as well. You know, just how how well he's been able to handle the success and how well, you know, he's handled everything up to this point in his college career. He seems like a, you know, like we've talked about, a great dude off the field, great teammate, great leader. So I'm really excited to watch C.J. Stroud continue to grow this season as he, he plays towards this, the start of his NFL career. And I, I think it's been really exciting to watch kind of his maturation as, as he came from, you know, the start of last season where people were calling for his benching to sitting out against Akron to then putting on a show the rest of the year. And now his his fantastic almost perfect start to this year uh it's been really fun to watch yeah you have to think that the troubles or you know the kind of the struggles that he went through last year towards the beginning of the season really helped him because he came out of it stronger came out of it more and more confident and that has just carried over and now he seems i don't know like at peace and and settled with the player that he is and why wouldn't you be if you're putting up the stats and whatnot that he has but you're right. It's a maturation process, and it's good to show that year over year because you see these flashes in the pan, these one-year wonders. And for Ohio State especially, like it's hard to do that every single year, replace a guy. And so they've had the benefit of C.J. Stroud now for a couple seasons. Same thing with Justin Fields, J.T. Barrett for about a decade. And Cardale Jones was around the program too. So uh, and, you know, Dwayne Haskins was, too, just a one-year starter, but around the program for a number of years. So I know that there are fans out there, probably a small percentage, that have kind of gotten on Ryan Day or said something about the lack of transfers and this, that, and the other. But it just it speaks to sort of his plan for things moving forward and the way that he likes to run his program is he's looking for guys who are going to come in 
get to know their teammates, build great chemistry, and hopefully stick around the program. You know, we've seen it with Kyle McCord. People are like, oh, this kid's gone. And he said all the right things this year. He hasn't spoken up a whole lot lately because he's typically not available in press conferences and things like that as the backup. But he spoke prior to the season in just, you know, getting the mental reps, preparing as if he is the starter, knowing that he's not. And so hopefully you see that continue down the road for a Kyle McCord, a Devin Brown, eventually whomever else comes in. I like that we hear that consistently from the Ohio State quarterbacks and really the players under Ryan Day. That speaks to the, I I would say, overall health of the program right now. Yeah, it seems like Ryan Day has a very specific type of guy he's trying to recruit at quarterback, guys that, you know, fit this culture, you know, the brotherhood, as they like to call it. You know, he's not going out there and looking for, you know, a guy like a Spencer Rattler who has, you know, always been pretty much a noted bad teammate, bad dude. Um, you know, the, the guys like you and a bad quarterback. Yes, that that as well. We've seen that as well. But yeah, it seems like, you know, all the quarterbacks under Ryan Day have had this similar attitude. None of them are very flashy. They all seem like, you know, very quiet, under the radar, humble guys. And, you know, they just go out there and play ball. And that's, you know, that's that's kind of what you want to see. And it, it's good to watch CJ Stroud. And we're excited to see what he's going to do the rest of the year. Um, other than Gene, that, it's last funny. Kind of, watch, yeah. watch, watch next year, Kyle McCord just come to like, uh, you know, the spring game or something dripped in all kinds of jewelry, sunglasses, Gucci belt, stuff like that. Just a total 180. That'd be really funny. But no, you're right. That's not the kind of guy that Ryan Day is going after. He's going after a guy who is a worker and a learner and somebody who puts in the time to their craft to get better and become a leader of a football team. So you really can't knock him for any of the talent or the talents that he has identified thus far. Listen, if if Kyle McCord shows up to camp next year with like, you know, a mullet, those like those shiny shades like that the kids are wearing on TikTok these days, like I think it would be very funny. You know, the, the dangly cross earring, you know, chains on. I, that would be a very fun 180 for me. Um, so if Kyle McCord wants to do that, I'm here for it. I don't think Ryan Day would like it very much, but I think it would be a very <laughs> funny thing to happen, um, especially because Kyle McCord, of all those guys, is, you know, it, it doesn't seem like the flashiest of dudes, but I think it would be very funny if he did something like that. But nonetheless, um, the other really last bit of – it's not even news, but it, it, we did find out earlier this week that Ohio State will be wearing – it's all black uniforms for the game as part of its blackout for the Wisconsin game, obviously a, a night kick. So Ohio State looking to do something fun for it to kick off the Big Ten season. Um, of note, the Buckeyes are. 3-0 in these alternates, most recently defeating Michigan State in 2019. Uh, their other two wins were against Penn State and Nebraska wearing these. And overall, Ohio State is 25-7 and in games wearing alternates. Um, I know there's a large crop of, of Ohio State fans, Ohio State traditionalists out there that don't like when they wear the alternates. Um, I think it's fun. I think it mixes it up a little bit. I would like to see them kind of debut more alternates. You know, they've kind of been using the same couple ones here in a, in a rotation the last few years. I like when they bring out something new. You know, they they did try the the all red either last year or the year before, and I thought that was a fun new concept. But I like the black ones. I have no problem with them. Um, I don't know how you feel about jerseys, Josh. I like when they mix it up. I know the recruits like it too. So anything that makes recruits happy and brings more five stars to the program, I'm game for. Yeah, a couple of points. So I, I like the traditional standard Ohio State uniform. I think it's one of the best in college football. But I do also like the alternates. Once in a while, I like when they do that. Recruits seem to like it. Players get excited for it. So I like really all of the ones they've sort of rolled out thus far. I'd like to see maybe a gray or like a predominantly smoke color jersey with scarlet accent. I think that would be kind of cool. 
So I'm with you. Maybe get a little bit more creative once or twice a year. But I, I don't think you can lose. Uh, Ohio State has seemingly always knocked it out of the park, even when they had the the throwbacks. This was a number of years ago. That was probably the air quotes worst alternate, but it was a throwback sort of homage to past teams. I even like that one. So nothing against these black ones. I think they look good. I think they look sleek when they're out there. And especially in a, during a night game, it's going to look really cool out there. Yeah, I actually didn't hate those those alternates against Nebraska with like the gray vertical stripes. Like they were certainly odd, um, but I didn't hate them. I would love to see Ohio State. I think they've done it maybe once before or something close to it. I'd love them to try out like a chrome helmet. Uh, that that looks like you know identical to the normal silver helmet they wear, but with you know yeah. with the Buckeye leaves on it like a full chrome. I think that would look really cool. Um, I really liked the uh, they call them the cocaine whites they wore against Penn State a while back. Those were really nice. Um, I don't hate the gray ones they've worn a couple times. I don't like when they. I don't like the alternates against Michigan. I do think that Ohio State and Michigan should both be wearing their home uniforms for every matchup. But that's a story for another day. Um, one hundred percent. I have no problem. But yeah, I think that that's definitely like I don't know if anybody's thinking about it or anybody's talking about. It. Obviously, it's been talked about by by the fans for a while but you know the ucla usc thing their rivalry game they always wear their home jerseys and, and you know the color schemes look really cool i would love to see you know the, the scarlet and gray versus the maize and blue both wearing their home uniforms i think that'd be a lot of fun i don't think they're going to you know do it this year i think that's something they'd have to talk about you know in advance but i would love to see that personally that'd be a nice touch I, i'm that game the ohio state michigan game you either go two homes or just, you know, you don't change it up. I want to see no alternate jerseys during that game only. I'm open to the rest of them. Um, I think they even did it uh, against Penn State. Like if they did all blacks at a whiteout, I think that would be really cool. So maybe it's matchup or schedule dependent. But yeah, I'm with you. Keep that last game of the year or that last regular season game as is with, uh, you know, the fewest number of changes possible. Maybe go home and home, like you said, but don't change it up then. That's my one gripe or my one ask for you know the, the athletic program. Yeah, I'm all for it. The funny part about Penn State's whiteout is that Ohio State's usually the team wearing the white because they're the road team. But you know, nonetheless, I don't think those fans are cheering for the Buckeyes in those in those atmospheres. And plus, Ohio State will not have to deal with that this year because I'm pretty sure Penn State picked some Penn State picked someone else for their whiteout. I don't remember if it was Minnesota or Wisconsin, someone like that. So I think it's a West team, but um, nonetheless, they're they're using that for a different game. So Ohio State will not have to deal with that um, this year. But I think we've you know talked about the latest going on with the Bucks here uh, for a little bit. So let's let's talk about those Badgers for a bit here as we, as we preview the week four game for Ohio State. Um, I do want to talk about their their head coach here in a second, but I want to start with what they've they've done so far this season. Um, Wisconsin is two and one in their non-conference schedule. They had blowout wins over Illinois State and New Mexico State, um, sandwiching a 17 to 14 loss to Washington State in week two, a really weird game. Uh, Wisconsin outplayed Wazoo in nearly every statistical category. They outgained them 401 to 253, so nearly 250 more yards, uh, 150 more yards than them. They had 22 first downs to Washington State's 10. They had 17 more minutes of possession. You know, just just a weird game. Each team turned the ball over three times. Um, there was two separate occasions where a team picked off a pass. Then the person who intercepted it fumbled the ball back to the team that they originally got intercepted <laughs> by. So that's a fun little quirk there. But at the end of the day, you know, the Badgers had 11 penalties for 106 yards and they missed two field goals. So that's really what lost them the game. They also had, you know, they, while they had an even amount of turnovers, their turnovers kind of came at, at worst times and at worst parts on the field. Um, but otherwise, this Wisconsin team has largely looked like a Wisconsin team. They sit eighth in the country defensively, allowing just eight points per game, although they haven't gone against the world's toughest offenses. They're 
11th in the country in yards allowed per game at a little over 240, tied for fourth in the nation with eight takeaways on the year. Um, and then offensively, they're averaging 218 yards per game on the ground, which is 26th best in the FBS. Um, Ohio State, interestingly enough, sits at 35th with 207 rushing yards per game. That surprised me a little bit because we haven't seen Ohio State lean on the ground game a bit, but they're up there as well. Um, Wisconsin's passing offense, not elite as you'd expect, but does rank in the top 50. So they're not terrible. But, you know, at, coming into week the, the first week of Big Ten play, um, Wisconsin is kind of exactly the, the type of team that you would expect them to be. For the last two, three, four decades, right? They, Wisconsin is Wisconsin. Wisconsin will Wisconsin. Um, they're going to lean on the run game, hopefully lean on a good defense for them and hope that their quarterback can do enough. And we'll talk about Graham Mertz, the former five-star guy. Nothing new. Uh, Fortunately for Ohio State, I don't think that this is something that they should be unprepared for. They know exactly what to expect from a Paul Chris team and even Brett Bielema and Barry Alvarez before that. I am a bit surprised that the Badgers are putting up 39 points per game. Good for them. That's not something that they are typically known for. But the defense is right about where you would expect it to be. And getting back to the Washington State game, you're, you're right. That was an odd one. And it was even more so because that was at Wisconsin. That was a home game for the Badgers. And usually when the turnover battle is even and you outgain the other team and you win the time of possession battle, even if you've got the penalties, the home field advantage, if you're the better team or you're, the team's really even typically propels you to victory. So that made that game even more strange in the fact that they lost it, but couldn't put up points, missed a couple field goals and really just couldn't execute and capitalize when they needed to. And, and that'll cost you, especially look, I don't think Washington state is a contender in the pac 12, but they've got an exciting quarterback, Cam Ward. I think he was the FCS guy and they've got a new coach, hopefully moving that program in the right direction. You chalk it up to, early season college football we've seen a number of upsets and a number of weird games throughout the first couple of weeks so it is what it is at this point but now as big wisconsin and ohio state as they get into big 10 play i think that both teams can sort of fall back into a pattern of more comfort and execute their basic you know kind of typical game plans and and move forward that way so i think we know what to expect but that's why they play the game right and wisconsin's got a bunch of good players. You know they want to beat Ohio State. It's been a long time since they've done so, and so this will be an interesting matchup. Yeah, I do want to pat myself on the back here a little bit. I am 99% sure I said in our Wisconsin preview that they could potentially struggle with that Washington State team in a, in their non-conference schedule. So I will take that one. One of my few wins here of, of things I say on the podcast. But nonetheless, I want to talk about uh, their head coach here, Paul Christ. How do we feel about Paul Christ as a head coach? I know me personally – you know, I feel he's an, just an incredibly meh coach. His teams have not adapted to the new age of college football, but at the same time, it's tough to argue with the results. He's 67-24 and 24 in his time at Wisconsin. He's made a bowl game in all prior of his seven seasons with the program and has gone 6-1 and one in those bowl games. He's won the Big Ten West three times, but is 0-3 in Big Ten title games, lost twice to Ohio State and once to Penn State. 
I just think that this team has really hit its ceiling with Paul Christ as his head coach. You know, the, the program consistently produces great running backs and offensive linemen, but kind of a, you know, a boring and stale scheme, especially on offense, hasn't been enough to win them games. You know, this is the type of team where if they, they fall behind early, we're going to talk about this when it comes to Ohio State specifically, but they're a team that if they fall behind early, they just don't have the, the kind of high-powered passing offense to get themselves back into games. Their defense is always good. Their run game is always good, as we've said, but it just feels like, well, you know, kind of like we said coming into this, it's the, it's the same team more or less every year you know you replace the names on the back of the jerseys with new guys but it just seems it just feels like it's getting you know boring and stale and although it's you know they've been consistently good that like I said they've made bowl games in all of Paul Chris seasons as the head coach I just don't know how much higher they could go with with him at the helm ceiling is a good term uh I'm with you I think that they've sort of reached it or plateaued but We'll see if Bobby Ingram, their new offensive coordinator, can propel them forward, if he can add some new things to this offense. We've seen Graham Mertz play at a higher level this year. Granted, it's been against inferior competition through three games, but it's a it's a TBD for me moving forward. That being said, I've done the Paul Chris thing before. I talked about it when we were doing our Big Ten previews. I think he is underachieved with at least three losses in every season since 2017. But, yeah, he was really, really good before that. 10-plus wins from 2015 to 2017, 6-1 in the bowl games, like you mentioned. So there is a track record. But the other thing with him is his recent teams are almost always ranked. And with the exception of 2019, they have finished every year outside the top 25 since he was winning 10-plus games. So they get sort of the the Notre Dame treatment, but to a much lesser extent, right? They're always up there in the rankings and then they typically tend to fall. So in my opinion, I think Paul Chris needs to pull off a big victory or two. I hope it is never at the expense of the Buckeyes, but he needs a signature victory. Um, Whether that's Ohio State, Michigan, I don't know if they play Penn State this year, but I do know that they play uh, Michigan. I think, I hope, gosh, I wish, I wish, I hope I didn't mix that up, but he needs a big win, and I think that he needs to get this program back to at least nine wins, maybe 10 or 11, because you're right. Like, where are you going with Paul Christ if he gives you another eight and four season? It's what we've seen the last couple. And, you know, we're talking nearly half a decade or at least half a decade since his last conference or Big Ten West win. And so. I'm with you. Meh is a pretty good description, in my opinion. I, similar to a Kirk Ferentz or a, you know, name another coach that has been in the Big Ten for an extended period of time and will occasionally have a good year, but is more consistently in the 8, 9, 10 win range. I don't know if that's enough. I mean, it's enough to be competitive and relevant, but if you finish every season outside the top 25 – I, I don't know what you're doing as a program, and I don't know how you're moving forward. Yeah, Josh, I have some I have some bad news for you here. They don't play Penn State or Michigan this season. Um, they do play Michigan. I was State. doing a pre. I was <laughs> doing another like a player preview or something. Then Gene, we'll just we'll strike that from the record. Yeah, no, you're no not heard hearing it. this, and you didn't hear the last sixty seconds. Yeah, but on on the counterpoint for that to that same notion, like this is that's great for for Wisconsin. You know, obviously catching Ohio State in the crossover isn't ter- isn't great, but you know playing Michigan State and 
you know, Maryland instead of Penn State and Michigan is certainly better for their hopes. And I do think that, you know, even with some of the limitations of this team, and even if they lose this game to Ohio State, um, I think this is a team that could probably, you know, go close to running the table the rest of the year in the Big Ten West because of how bad the rest of that division has looked. You know, seemingly every team in that division so far outside of really Minnesota has suffered some kind of terrible upset. And I think of the bunch, um, you know, I was kind of high on Iowa coming into the season, but based on what their offense looks like, I can't pick that team to do much of anything. I know their defense is good, but otherwise they've been, you know, Spencer Petras has been dreadful at quarterback, but I do think that this Wisconsin team is still good enough to win the West. So I think there is a chance that even if they lose this game to Ohio State, we might see the Badgers later on in the year if they meet again in Indianapolis. Yeah, Gene, such an egregious error on my part. I had the tab up. I clicked over to it now. I must have confused them with, like I said, another team that I was previewing. We'll talk about it later, but their schedule is dreadful. Like it's, the teams it's not that pretty. they play. I, it's not great. There is not another ranked team as of right now after Ohio State. So, yeah, maybe, maybe I was mistaken. Maybe they are going to get to 9-10 wins this season and, and win the West. I'm not sure. I think Minnesota should be ranked. That's a different conversation for a different day. But holy cow, you want to talk about pot errors. I'll own that one. That was a big mistake on my part. <laughs> it is all good. I do think, you know, you say they play Minnesota. That is the last game of their regular season schedule. I think that that game could be really, really important in determining the Big Ten West because Minnesota has yeah. looked really good so far. Like I said, there should be really nothing stopping Wisconsin from running the table after this um, this Ohio State game. So you'd be going into that game. You know, if, if Minnesota hasn't lost a game in the Big Ten yet, that would be probably for the Big Ten West title. So interesting to see how that plays out. But nonetheless, this is not a, a Wisconsin season preview podcast. This is a Wisconsin week four podcast. So let's talk about what they have coming into Ohio Stadium this weekend. Starting on offense, we've talked about him before. Graham Mertz returns as the team's starting quarterback. He isn't asked to do a whole lot in this offense, but you know, to his credit, he's been solid to start this year. He's had tremendous struggles the last couple of years, but so far, so, so good for him this season. Um, he's thrown for 697 yards with six touchdowns to just two picks while completing over 70% of his passes, already a far cry from his 10-touchdown, 11-interception campaign in 2021, where he completed under 60% of his passes. You know, he, We've talked about him a bunch before, formerly a highly touted recruit, hasn't quite lived up to the hype just yet, but looks to be improved under, like you said, new offensive coordinator Bobby Ingram looks like they have him in a position to succeed obviously not the highest level of competition just yet but we will see if that kind of improved play continues into the Big Ten schedule um, this team is, is led by star running back Braylon Allen really the straw that stirs the drink for this Wisconsin offense he's got 332 yards and five touchdowns on the year while averaging 6.6 .6 yards per carry through their first three games and, you know, the Badgers are undefeated when Allen rushes for over 100 yards in his uh, brief early career. They are 9-0 and in his 100-yard games, having appeared in, in 15 total games for the Badgers thus far. He had 98 yards on 21 carries in the loss to Washington State. So if he had just had two more yards, Wisconsin might have won the game. Uh, but he is, you know, six foot two, 238 pounds, just 19 years old, one of the very best running backs in the country. The really classic, Ohio, uh, classic Wisconsin running back uh, build following in the footsteps of Jonathan Taylor. Um, the offensive line for this unit expected to be a strong suit for really any Wisconsin team, uh, but they have been without starting right tackle Riley Malham uh, to start the year. He missed the last two weeks uh, with an injury. It's unclear if he'll be back for the Ohio State game. 
They've had Logan Brown and Trey Wadig uh, splitting time at that spot. The you know Wadig is six foot seven, three hundred fifteen pounds, and he looked like the better option in week three. So I'll be interested to see if he's the one who starts for Ohio State at that right tackle spot. But they've still got a lot of experience across that line. Center Joe Titman and left guard Jack Nelson have a ton of experience uh, under their belts. But you know this unit hasn't quite been dominant just yet. They're still working some things out, a lot of moving parts along that front. But once again, it's Wisconsin, so you know even at its worst, it'll probably be an above average group. Um, and then in terms of wide receiver talent. This this year is actually, you know, it's pretty above average by Wisconsin standards in terms of their receiver core. Um, Chimere DK, Skylar Bell lead the pack uh, alongside tight end Clay Cundiff as another reliable option. Um, DK leads the team with nine catches for 172 yards and a score. Bell's right behind him with eight catches for 146 yards and two scores. And then Cundiff rounds out the trio with eight catches for 139 yards and two scores. So certainly a different passing offense from Ohio State where you have guys like Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeka Ibuka both with over 18 catches and over 320 yards apiece. Um, certainly not the, the high-flying offense of an Ohio State, but those guys have, have more than done their jobs. They've done enough to um, supplant the, the running back attack. That is, that is what they are known for. Um, but overall, you know, the, the Badgers appear to be more... You know, passing more efficiently under their their new offensive coordinator Bobby Ingram, but at its core, it's still a very much run first team, and I think this team will only go as far as Braylon Allen takes them. Right, historically, their offense has been running back or bust. But you know, credit to Graham Mertz, he's been decent in three outings this year, and he might have some real weapons in DK and Bell. Typically strong up front, no different in 2022. However. They went up against a real defense in Washington State and could only score 14 points, and I don't think they scored at all in the second half. So they have had moments uh, or you know, a half of football in which they were having trouble moving the ball, executing, putting up points, all that good stuff. So we'll see what it's like against Ohio State, which right now has a really good defense on paper, specifically a run defense, passes TBD. Um, and in that game, too, you know, Graham Mertz, was not good. He was 18 for 31 passing. He threw two picks, if I'm not mistaken, maybe through two touchdowns and a pick. I have to pull it back up. Um, and Allen, like you said, did not crack 100 yards. So if both of those guys aren't executing at a high level, I don't know if they will ultimately be able to keep up with Ohio State unless their defense plays lights out, which we'll get to. But Mertz, the former five-star guy, has simply not lived up to the hype. He is completing 71% of his passes this year but 61.9% for his career has hovered around 60% in the years prior and only threw 19 touchdowns to 16 picks between 2020 and 2021. So he has looked great against lower level competition, but I mentioned that game against Washington state, not real good. I think he has the arm, but maybe not the decision-making or quick processing skills. And I don't know if Bobby Ingram and their quarterback coach can help that. Um, but that being said, Ohio State hasn't looked great against the pass. So if he can be as good as a James Blackman or a Daquan Finn and they get that running game rolling, we'll see. Um, but I would argue that Mertz is at least as good as those other guys, if not better. The pedigree certainly speaks to that. So he could pose a threat if he has a good game. We've seen good games from him before. I think you had talked on another podcast or maybe it was just me and you. It was like his first or second start completed you know ten, his first 10 passes 15 passes something like that so we've seen it before um but it's been a while at running back gosh Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi they're both animals in, in my opinion and in all due re- with all due respect even Isaac Guerrendo averaged seven yards per tote last year and he has three touchdowns this year but that was primarily in mop-up duty Allen's the star we know what he's capable of he went 
over 100 yards in nearly all of his games last year. And he's averaging 110 through the three that they've played this year with the five touchdowns. He is typically always good, but we have seen him bottled up by good defenses. I wrote about it in a column this week. Iowa and Minnesota corralled him last year, and he did not play Michigan or Penn State. So last year when he was rattling off all those 100-yard games, it wasn't against the the highest tier of competition. But, you know, he's built like Derrick Henry. He's big. He's strong. He's fast. I called him a refrigerator with two legs. He, he's going to be a challenge. He's going to present a challenge for this Ohio State defensive front. And Malusi, too, the Clemson transfer is probably one of the better backups or 1B guys in the country. So a powerful running attack. You know that what that what that is what they're going to lean on. As far as wide receivers go, hey, they actually exist in Wisconsin, right? It's been a while, but in all seriousness, Bell had high expectations. He's a really good athlete, but he got banged up last year. I think he only played in one game. DK has been around for a few seasons, but it's been a long time since The Badgers really had a dangerous guy. I think Jared Aberderis, maybe a decade ago, was their last 1,000-yard wide receiver. So that's not the way that they intend to beat you. But they do have some playmakers this year, which has not always been the case in years past. I'll definitely have an eye on Bell. And they might have also found their new tight end. They, They have one almost every year. Right. It was Ferguson. It was, um, you know, I'm forgetting some of the other names, but year in, year out, Wisconsin has a productive tight end and Cundiff's that guy this year with his couple of touchdowns and eight catches. He has a, like a 25 yard per catch average right now, which is pretty darn explosive for a tight end. Um, Cade Stover-esque, I guess, with the big plays down the field, but he's going to be a weapon. They're going to look his way like they always do. So All in all, I think that this offense that we've seen so far in 2022, it's much better than we've seen in years past. Even, you know, the fact that Allen was around last year and even Malusi, they're just more explosive. They've got more playmakers across the board. So that's something that Ohio State is going to have to prepare for. And yeah, up front, guy A, guy B, guy three, guy four. Um, And that's not a knock on them. It's just... This is what Wisconsin does. They are an offensive line factory. They churn them out year after year. I know they've had some things. They've been banged up up there, and they've had certain guys in and out of the lineup, but they're going to be five strong across the front. They know what they're doing. They're well coached. They'll execute their assignments. They'll put a hat on a hat, all those good things. So I expect it to be, like you said, a Wisconsin offensive performance. They're going to probably look to – hit a big play here or there. But if Ohio State can focus on the run game, which is what I think they absolutely need to do, then I think that this is an offense that can be held in check. Yeah, certainly. And I think this is also a good test for Ohio State's defense because like we've seen so far this season, you know, really the strength of Ohio State's defense so far has been the, the stopping the run. You're going up against one of the premier rushing attacks in the country. You know, we, we've seen guys like, you know, uh, Steel Chambers has been really good at linebacker. Tommy Eichenberg's been a tackle machine. This will be their toughest assignment as, as starters thus far. You know, uh, through the middle, you know, Mike Hall and Tyreek Williams have both been excellent. Um, you know, on the edges, even, you know, T.H.T. Tulimolo and Jack Sawyer have both been really good in, in stopping the run as well so it'll be an interesting game for Ohio State's front seven to see what they're really made of see if they are as good as they've looked the first couple weeks um, I am interested to see you know the, the right side of Wisconsin's offensive line has really been 
you know, lacking to start the year, I would say. Definitely not as strong as its left side. And that will be the the side that Jack Sawyer is lined up against. So I am interested to see if this is sort of a, a breakout game for him, you know, especially if they don't have um, their starting right tackle Malman back for this game. Um, maybe he could have a you know, big impact in this game coming off that edge and, you know, making life difficult for Mertz and the rest of that offense. But yeah, I think this is a good test overall for this Ohio State defense. Obviously, the run game for Wisconsin is is really good. Plus, you have, you know, a, a better than average or at least better than a couple of teams they played running games, you know, uh, a passing attack, I'm sorry. Um, like you said, a couple good wide receiver options out there. Another good tight end to contend with. You know, we saw how well Ohio State did at stopping Michael Mayer from really doing much of anything when they played Notre Dame. Um, so I'm not sure if Cundiff is, you know, quite the the caliber of tight end as a guy like Michael Mayer. But like you said, he is super explosive with that high, you know, yards per catch. So we'll be interested to see how Ohio State's linebackers kind of balance the stopping the run and also, you know, trying to lock down Cundiff over the middle. So a lot of things that Wisconsin could do here to test this Ohio State defense. And I think we'll learn a lot about just how good this, this Jim Knowles unit is. I'm sure we will see maybe a bunch of different packages that we haven't seen thus far yet as, as they look to keep some things off film against a team like Wisconsin that definitely has a much better chance to beat Ohio State than the past couple of teams that they've faced. So I am very interested to see what Ohio State's defense looks like in this game against this Wisconsin attack. And I was going to ask you a question. You kind of led me into it, but it's a two-parter. You mentioned good test. I agree with you. Do you also think that this is a good matchup for Ohio State, given what we talked about before the podcast? You know, they're sort of struggles against a mobile quarterback, not so much week one, but definitely with uh, you know Toledo in week three and Daquan Finn. Do you think that the air quotes traditional Big Ten offense is something that kind of suits this Ohio State defense? And then the second part of that question is, yeah, do you think that we'll see maybe some more exotic coverages, uh, more blitzing, things of that nature, from this Ohio State offense, which I think has been sort of vanilla through three weeks. Yeah, for sure. You know, in terms of the first part, you know, Graham Mertz can move a little bit, but he's obviously not the the caliber of athlete of a guy like Daquan Finn. You know, they, Jim Knowles talked in, in his presser this week about how they struggled to contain him. I don't think they'll have the same kind of running quarterback issues as they did with with Daquan Finn with Graham Mertz. But yeah, I, th- I think having a, a less than less mobile quarterback back there certainly helps. But I still do think that this is definitely the best rushing attack Ohio State has faced this year. So we will kind of find out if that rush defense is all it's cracked up to be, or if it's just played three, you know, kind of bad offenses. Obviously, you know, Finn was able to do some stuff. We didn't really see a ton from Notre Dame, but they're seemingly not good now. Um, Arkansas State is Arkansas State. So we haven't really seen, you know, a real rushing attack like Wisconsin. So I am interested to see how, you know, that those linebackers and that defensive front looks against the rushing attack. And in terms of, you know, different packages and stuff, I do imagine we'll see at least a few more things that we haven't seen thus far. I don't think Jim Knowles is going to want to empty his entire bag of tricks in this game unless they really need it. And let's, you know, it's a game that's coming down to the wire. But especially in the first half, if the game is close and, you know, they're they're kind of struggling on defense a bit, I do think we'll see some, you know, different blitz packages, maybe send a linebacker, maybe send a corner, maybe send a safety or two here and there, Um, whatever they could do to keep you know, uh, Wisconsin's offense off balance because, you know, this is the type of team where if you could kind of get them behind the sticks and force them to pass, that's kind of exactly where you want them to be. So you don't want them having a bunch of, you know, third and threes, third and fives. If you could get them to, you know, a couple third and longs, you know, get a sack here and there, get a stop behind the line. I think that puts you in tremendous shape for, you know, the rest of the game. No disagreement here. I don't have a whole lot to add. I think that this is going to be a strength-on-strength matchup, and hopefully Ohio State's strength, at least their defensive strength, prevails. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now flipping over to um, the Wisconsin defense as we're finished talking about Ohio State's. Um, this group is led by one of the best defensive coordinators in the country in Jim Leonard. Um, was replaced with replacing eight starters. Uh, was tasked with replacing eight starters from last year's team heading into the season, but has still performed well thus far. Up front, they are led by stud junior Nick Herbig. Uh, he's listed at linebacker, but spends a lot of his time up near the line of scrimmage. His five tackles for loss and four sacks are both team highs on the year. I know Josh has a piece coming out on him later in the week uh, discussing him as the defensive player to watch. Um, also up front, senior nose tackle Keanu Benton is a big body up the middle at six foot four, three seventeen. Uh, he's a guy who could have gone pro at the end of last season, but elected to come back for one more year. They also have Isaiah Mullins and Rodas Johnson up front. That have been the other starters, but Johnson left um, last week's game with an injury, so his status for this one is unclear. Um, at linebacker, uh, it's kind of where the biggest losses for Wisconsin are from a year ago. They lost Leo Chanel and Jack Sanborn, who were two of the best um, in the Big Ten. Both are gone, but they've still been very solid at that linebacker position. Uh, Miami Jung Meta has been the star of this year's crop of linebackers, leads the team with 19 tackles, also has Well two and done. A half. Well done I, on I, the I, name. I think that's right. I'm pretty sure. I tried looking it up on YouTube. It was kind of hard to it find. It sounded smooth. It looks good. It sounded good, so I'll go with it. Um, sorry to him if I didn't pronounce that correctly, but he leads the team with 19 tackles, also has two and a half tackles for loss and a pick. Um, Jordan Turner has been another strong contributor in that room with 10 tackles, with two tackles for loss and a sack in his own right. Um, and in the secondary, as I kind of alluded to earlier, you know, Wisconsin's been surprisingly strong through three weeks. They brought in a bunch of transfers to help alleviate some of the losses this offseason. Uh, however, it has been redshirt freshman Ricardo Hallman that has really shined the most as of late. Um, Hallman was PFF's third highest graded corner in the country in week three, picked off his first career pass against New Mexico State on, on an impressive one-handed grab. Um, some of those transfers have made some good impacts, though. Jay Shaw has been one of the team's other top corners. Um, he's coming over from UCLA. Former All-Pac-12 player has two pass breakups and a pick on the year. Um, at safety, John Torchio ranks second on the team with 11, tack- 11 tackles, has a tackle for loss on a sack along with a pick and the team's lone defensive touchdown. Um, unfortunately for Wisconsin, his opposite starter, Hunter Wohler, has been out after suffering a leg injury in week one. Um, out indefinitely, seems unlikely to return for this Ohio State game. Uh, but in his spot, uh, Kamoai Latu has stepped up, recording eight tackles and two pass breakups. Um, so overall, you know, a solid unit that's still kind of getting its bearings as the season progresses. Um, guys like Herbig and Jung Meta have been great, but the, and the secondaries look good as well. But they're kind of, you know, waiting for the rest of the defense to join them. Uh, but, you know, even still, a Jim Leonard defense can never be ruled out. I think this is a very strong unit, probably the best that Ohio State has faced thus far this season. Uh, obviously, Ohio State's offense is the best that this team will have faced as well as, you know, the three teams that Wisconsin has faced thus far are ranked near the bottom in the FBS and offensive metrics. I know specifically, you know, New Mexico State, um, you know, per a tweet courtesy, our, our friend of the program, Colton Denning, has been outscored 93-2 to um, in first halves to start this year. So they haven't exactly played some world beaters, um, but... 
I think this is definitely a unit that can that can test Ohio State a bit. Certainly, you know, we we don't quite know what Ohio State's offensive line is yet. I think this will be a big test for them. And then, you know, the passing attack, I expect to see more of JSN and, you know, Julian Fleming as well. So Ohio State should have its full healthy complement of wide receivers, um, maybe half of Travion Henderson and, and also, you know, Mayan Williams. And now we know Dallin Hayden is a cable back as well. So a good offensive group going against this good Wisconsin defense. But I do think this is the best test for Ohio State so far this season. Yeah, I can't, I can't argue with that. And you know, selfishly, as an Ohio State fan, I was hoping that Wisconsin's defense would fall off a cliff. I had no idea what to expect from a unit that lost eight starters, but they added, like you said, a hundred years of experience via the portal, specifically in the back end, and they have shut shut down some lower level opponents. So the thing is, I, I don't know how much I believe in the 2022 version, but I don't not believe if that makes sense, and that's a credit to not only Jim Leonard, but the guys that they do have returning. It's a good unit. They've performed very well thus far, um, like I said, against that inferior competition. Another note on New Mexico State, I had the, the game notes pulled up in the box score. I mean, 10 for 30 with three picks. That's a dreadful passing offense, and that is not what Wisconsin will see on Saturday night. So hopefully for us, you know, they've got a rude awakening on the horizon, but just getting to the players that Wisconsin does have, the space eaters up front, Keanu Benton is the leader there. They're not usually going to put up a ton of stats, but they're solid against the run. They're these big space eater guys in that three-man front, so they're going to clog it up. They're going to hopefully, they're going to hope to contain Travion Henderson, Mayan Williams, whomever's back there for Ohio State, not giving you a whole lot via sacks or anything like that, but they play a role and. The linebackers, I think, are arguably the strongest unit just because of Nick Herbig. He is an outstanding football player. He was a sack artist last year, and he already has the four in three games thus far in 2022. Just a really skilled pass rusher, super quick off the edge, can play assignment football when he drops back. John Meda is the new kid on the block, although not really. He's been in the program, but has only played sparingly in previous seasons. So he's got the 19 tackles. Jordan Turner and Jake Cheney and CJ Getz also round out the group and contribute. And as far as the secondary goes, John Torchio is a good player. Playmaker at safety. He had three interceptions last year and a long pick six in Whiskey's opener. They surrounded him by a bunch of Big Ten newcomers with experience elsewhere. You brought up Jay Shaw. He was he, he at least received all Pac-12 votes last year for UCLA. I don't know where he fell, whether that was like first or second team, but a good experienced player. They've got the kid from Kentucky who has played a bunch and a couple other ones. Their, their top tackling safety right now is a Utah transfer. So just a bunch of new faces. But Jim Leonard basically said, look, bring me the guys. We'll sort out the depth chart later. And he has seemingly found a way to make it work. So – it's going to be a strong unit. I don't know how strong exactly, just based off of the competition they've gone up against. And it's a little odd <clears throat> that their second leading tackler only has 11 total tackles through three games. That kind of speaks to their ability to turn the other team over with those seven interceptions and also get them off the field, which is always big, especially going up against Ohio State. You don't want to let them sustain drives and have any time of possession Um Again, unless unless they're hitting big plays on you, then great. I hope Ohio State scores 100. But <clears throat> excuse me, Wisconsin's going to want to win 
the time of possession battle. And one of the ways in which they do that is to get Ohio State off the field, turn it over to their offense, let them wear the Buckeyes down with the ground game. We'll see if that happens. I, I said offense on defense the other way was strength on strength. And typically, Wisconsin's defense has been their strength, and it might be on Saturday night. There are just so many unknowns, especially given the competition that they play, that I still have a hard time kind of projecting this one out and putting a guess on anything because I don't know how legit Wisconsin's defense currently is, but they've got a hell of a coach or a coordinator, and so I think he'll have them prepared and ready to go up against Ohio State. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. I'm very interested to see what Ohio State's uh, you know rushing attack looks like against Wisconsin because, like you said, you know this is a team that's very strong up front, and while they don't do a ton in you know the sack department, they do get a bunch of tackles for loss. They do stop the run very well. So interested to see what Ohio State's running backs and their offensive line is able to do there. Um, as far as the passing game goes, I don't really know if anyone in the country could slow down C.J. Stroud right now, but I do think that you know a guy like Jim Leonard will have some things schemed up. They'll throw some different looks at Stroud, try to confuse him a bit. I'm sure we'll see some different blitz packages with linebackers coming in. You know, you talk about a guy like Herbig being a sack artist. He's a guy that's definitely going to have to play a significant role in this game if Wisconsin wants to try to upset Ohio State. Um, But I am interested to see what this... You know, Ohio State offense looks like having now what I would imagine will be, you know, a full game of Jack Smith and Jigba. We've already seen the kind of chemistry that Stroud has built with both the Nekeg Buka and Marvin Harrison Jr. as well. So even though Wisconsin's defense has played well on the back end, I think it's a tough ask for any team to go up against, you know, really four, five, six deep in Ohio State's wide receiver core um, when those guys are all clicking. So I do think Ohio State will still get their points there. But, you know, at kind of at the end of the day, as we wrap up here and just kind of get the, the full picture of things, I think, you know, until Wisconsin finally gets with the times and kind of updates their offensive attack. I have a tough time thinking (laughs) they can really compete with Ohio State. You know, we look at the previous meetings here. Ohio State has won each of the last eight matchups dating back to 2011. Ohio State's 61 and 18 in this matchup overall. Wisconsin's last win in the series was in 2010 in Madison. Um, The last time the Badgers won in Columbus was in 2004 when uh, Barry Alvarez took on Jim Tressel. Um, so, you know, this is this is a team where, you know, they kind of need to get out to an early lead because I don't think the passing attack, while better than it has been mm-hmm. in years past, at least against lesser opponents, I don't think it's good enough to come from behind. Um, that run game is legitimately scary with uh, with Braylon Allen in the backfield, but and it will be a huge test for Ohio State's linebackers. I do think this is probably the best team Ohio State has seen on both sides of the ball, but especially on that defensive side. Uh, but nonetheless, you know, all that being said, um, Ohio State does enter the game as 18-point favorites for a reason. You know, this is an Ohio State team that has looked improved on really both sides of the ball. And it's hard to, you know, improve on what they did last year on offense with Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson out there. But C.J. Stroud, as we talked about earlier, has been near perfect. You know, these new wide receivers have really filled those roles tremendously well, even without Jack Smith and Jigba out there. So I, I think all positives coming from the last couple weeks from Ohio State. You know, Wisconsin had the one hiccup, hasn't really played anybody. And, you know, to their credit, you know, the Buckeyes haven't really played anybody either. But I just think that Ohio State... State has more going for them on the offensive side of the ball than Wisconsin does. And if Braylon Allen doesn't have, you know, a really big game in this one, I think it'll be tough for the Badgers to really compete. Yeah, it comes down to the offensive horses. There is certainly, in my opinion, there is a recipe here um, for Wisconsin to pull off an upset. It would be Braylon Allen to have a big game and maybe they're able to turn over CJ Stroud a time or two, get one of those picks that they've got so far this year. Um it's, it's absolutely feasible, and I don't think that it's going to be a blowout. I hope that I'm woefully wrong. Really, I'd like to see Ohio State notch a stylish victory each and every week through the regular season and into the, you know, the postseason. But I think Wisconsin makes this interesting at times. 
But I'm with you. For me, it just comes down to that offensive firepower or lack thereof. I believe that Ohio State is going to make Graham Mertz move the ball down the field. I think they're going to do everything in their power to contain Allen and Malusi. And I think that they'll do at least a passable job. The The front six, front seven has been really good, especially against like a traditional run. They struggled with some assignment stuff. And, you know, maybe they missed a spy assignment or something like that on Daquan Finn. But other than that, the defensive line has been stout. The linebackers are making tackles, setting the edge when they need to. I think they'll look good on Saturday night, but Allen's a wild card. So, um, but yeah, I mean, just getting back to the point, Wisconsin's going to have to put up points. I don't think that they are going to shut out Ohio State. I don't think they hold Ohio State under 30, spoiler alert. So, if they're going to put up points, a lot is going to be on the shoulders of Graham Mertz, or at least one, the right shoulder of Graham Mertz. And based on what we've seen through three and a half years, I don't know if he's got it. I think he can beat some good teams. I don't think that he can beat an elite offensive team, which is what Ohio State is. Yeah, for sure. And I, I agree with you here. I don't think they're going to hold Ohio State under 30 points. I do, however, think they'll hold them um, under 40 points. So I'll, I'll kind of give my score prediction here as we round up. Um, I'm saying a 38-17 win for Ohio State. I feel I think that's like I that feels like a, a pre. I feel like they've don't won do that, it, Gene. Game. We're gonna do it again. The listeners are gonna think that we just compare too many notes before the podcast. I just I feel like that score is like a perfect <laughs> Wisconsin game score. Like Ohio State went like they're never really in danger of losing. It's probably close at half. Either they're tied or it's a, a seven point game at half. And that Ohio State offense just kind of wears them down. The second half winds up winning by two or three scores. Um, I, I do think the 18-point line is interesting. You know, my prediction here, 38-17, has them just on the edge of a cover there. Um, three points over a cover, in fact. So, I, you know, I am predicting them a cover. I did foolishly bet against Ohio State with the spread last week, and Ryan Day's 77-point outing really burned me. Um, I don't know if I'll <laughs> do that again this week against Wisconsin. But, yeah, I, I think that Ohio State will do enough on offense. They're probably not going to, you know, it's not going to be a 59 nothing game a la that famous uh, Big Ten title game back in 2014, but I think Wisconsin does enough stuff to test Ohio State. I think Ohio State's offense at the end of the day is just too much to handle, and I think that you know maybe Ohio State's defense struggles early on, but Jim Knowles makes some makes some adjustments. They they wind up corralling Braylon Allen, and they do enough to win this game by you know a pretty comfortable margin, but not not a blowout by any means. For the sake of argument, I, I had originally I was thinking 38-21. I kid you not. I thought Ohio State scored 38 just like you did. I gave Wisconsin 21 points. I'll make it a little bit more interesting. And my prediction is going to be 38-24. I don't know if it is like a nail-biter in the fourth quarter. I think that Ohio State can stay ahead by 7 to 10 points throughout and eventually win by 14. But I'm going to predict that they don't cover the spread, but they still win by multiple possessions. So give me 38-24 on Saturday night. All right, that that sounds good to me. I'll take it. You know, a win's a win, however you could get it. I will ask you one final question here before we get out of here. Um, it does seem like every time Ohio State plays Wisconsin, they have at least one turnover in the game. Do do we see um, C.J. Stroud throw his first interception in Week Four? Um, gosh, that's a tough one. He's got to do it eventually, right? He's not going to go a whole season without it. We know that you know mistakes happen. He will throw a pick eventually here and there. I feel like. Wisconsin's defense is good enough to do it. I don't know if they will, but you know he's got it's got to happen eventually. Hopefully, it's not in a costly spot, but I would imagine he's going to throw a pick eventually. Nobody's perfect. Yeah, let's let's get it out of his system. He's not going to throw one against Michigan State. He might throw for he might pass for 800 yards in that game. Um, Iowa, good secondary. Penn State, good secondary. 
you know, maybe that's his second and third, maybe fourth of the year. But yeah, sure. Go ahead. I'll, I'll say put me down for one interception. I think he, you know, just sails a ball, makes a poor read, something like that. We'll see Ohio State's first offensive turnover of the year, but no more. And I hope it's not a game breaker by any means. But yeah, I'll indulge. I think maybe there's a good chance that CJ St- Stroud throws a pick this week. And that was a good question. All right. Well, we will take the over under of 0.5 interceptions for CJ Stroud at the over. Um, so, but but hopefully nothing nothing crazy. It won't be anything. You know, he'll still throw for three or four touchdowns, but he'll just have the one mistake, and we'll we'll all move on with our lives. Um, and, and hopefully another Ohio State win. That'll be all for us this week um, on Hangout in the Holy Land. Be sure to check out all of our written content over at LandGrantHolyLand.com as we get you further prepared for this week's game. Um, Be sure to like, rate, view, subscribe, and all that good stuff all the podcast asks you to do. And for Josh Dooley, I am Gene Ross, and as always, Go Bucks.